The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Is there still awareness now? For many of us find that when, when the bell rings, that's the first time of the of the sit that we taste effortless awareness. <laughs> when it feels like, ah, don't have to do it anymore, but there is still, we're just here. We're just here in a simple way. That can be a really a really rich thing to explore, an experience to explore. Oh, and and to see what gets in the way of there being this just natural and easy and effortless awareness, even in the middle of our sit. And this can really highlight the the pattern that we that we all have, this sense of I need to do this. I need to make this happen. This is such a such a rich area of our experience to be curious about. What's being believed about the practice? My heart feels very full of uh, gratitude for the practice and, and gratitude for getting to be here and practice with you all today. And such a precious, such a precious opportunity to be able to cultivate the causes of uh, genuine well-being and happiness, to be able to to practice, to follow the path. As I said during this, it's so rare. It's so rare. For the vast majority of, of beings born into the world, there's never an encounter with the Dharma. And for most people who do encounter the Dharma, there isn't, there aren't the conditions in place for there to be the interest to actually engage with it. And for for many of them there there isn't there aren't the conditions in place for there to be time to to dedicate to cultivating the practice or to the have the the, the faculties, the capacities to reflect and to, to understand or experience and all of these conditions that are in place that allow us to be here practicing, cultivating the causes of happiness, the causes of peace. Such a precious opportunity. Mm. And when we, when we come to practice, we, we encounter the momentum of the conditioning of our minds and the minds that are um, like we see are trying to do the practice. This is just the momentum of our conditioning. And so we bring all kinds of habits and views to how we practice. 
often we're unconsciously practicing from a place of trying to create pleasant experiences and get rid of unpleasant experiences. We meditate to become calm and tranquil and still have the mind be settled, have the body feel at ease. And if the mind is thinking a lot, mind is agitated, or if there are difficult emotions, worry, sadness, depression, anxiety, or if the body is in pain, then it, it can feel like, oh, we're not, we're not practicing right, or we're not doing a good enough job. You can have this idea that, oh, if only I practiced right, then I would feel better. And yet what we're cultivating in this practice is a recognition and understanding of the nature of all experiences. And it's actually the, the difficult experiences can be some of the most potent um, sources of fuel for the ripening of understanding, understanding the nature of how stress and suffering are created in our minds. And so it's really good news. It's actually really, uh, really wholesome to be aware, to be aware of any experience, even those that feel like they're in the way, even those that feel like they're a problem. Feeling like something is a problem. Oh, what is this experience of feeling like this is a problem? What are the, the beliefs, the views, the thoughts, the perceptions that go into the, the feeling of this is a problem? And when we recognize this is a problem as an experience, there's a room around it where it's actually not a problem at all. And there can be a very deep inner well-being and ease and peace, even while knowing an experience in the mind that's something of the flavor of this is not okay. There can be a deep okayness with the mind saying, oh, this is not okay. I don't like this. I don't want this. It can be known as simply as any sight, any sound, any body sensation, any other thought, There are many aspects of our experience that we often feel like we can recognize in, a, in an unidentified way. You know, like, oh yeah, that's the mind. Like seeing that, you know, this is the mind. It's, uh, it's not particularly sticky, but then there are those aspects of mental activity that really feel like me. No, this isn't the mind. This isn't something I'm, just knowing this is me. And the practice, as the practice develops, more and more of that becomes much simpler, much more simply known as just activity of the mind. There's actually nothing solid there. It's just a projection, just a concept, an image. That's what we're what we're relating to in our experiences. 
constructions of the mind that correspond to, um, that likely correspond to, you know, something in the, the real world next, but what we actually are in relationship with, what we actually know is our, our concepts or ideas about things. We don't actually directly experience what we think of as the world. We experience a mental representation of the world. And it's not, it's not a perfect representation. It's distorted. It's filtered through all of our views, ideas, perceptions, our conditioning. And so we're not seeing the world as it is. We're seeing the world as we are. So the more and more we can learn to recognize the activity of the mind, the more room there is around anything that arises in the mind. There's, there's not a, a limitation or a constriction or fixation on the content of our experience, but there's the capacity for discernment, for engaging with, um, with kindness, with, with wisdom, with compassion. So in this practice, we're learning to recognize any experience and relate to it skillfully. Relate to it as something that's just happening, not as a problem, not as good or bad, not as I, me, or mine. And this is great news because our minds are not going to be happy and settled and peaceful all the time. Never met anyone who doesn't experience afflictive emotions, who doesn't have bad moods or aches and pains and all, you know, all the things that come with being human. And that's great news that we don't need for our experience to be pleasant in order to be at ease. There is a freedom that grows through this practice where there is a deep inner wellspring of well-being and happiness and peace that doesn't depend on experience being how we like it, how we want it, but that is so much more deeply meaningful and satisfying than any normal pleasant experience that we can imagine that's rooted in this relationship of non-clinging. It's the this fixation, contraction, clinging around pleasant and unpleasant experiences, trying to get things to be how we want them to be and hold on to them, keep them that way. That is the, the primary source of our suffering. And this clinging is rooted in some fundamental misperceptions and misunderstandings about the nature of our experience. And as, as we simply attend to and become curious about how our experience unfolds moment to moment, 
And there is a natural learning process that happens that we don't have to make happen. We don't have to try to understand. We don't have to um, force anything, but just through this simple moment to moment recognition of experience, a learning process naturally unfolds. We start to learn and see the nature of our experience. It's, it's inevitable. It's, this is what is, this is what is referred to as insight. And the insight of insight meditation is that when we are aware and interested in the moment to moment unfolding process of experience, the insights, the understandings into the nature of that experience inevitably arise. We start to understand the, the fleeting and ephemeral, the moment to moment arising and passing of our experience. There's nothing really stable or solid there, but it takes a, a continuity, a continuity of moment to moment recognition for this to arise in a, in a meaningful way. We understand this conceptually that everything is impermanent, that nothing, nothing lasts forever. But it's at an experiential level that when this understanding ripens, that's what leads to the release of clinging. And this isn't something we need to make happen, but we can be curious about. We can, cultivate the perception of impermanence. Like notice what's changing from moment to moment. Even noticing that each moment is arising anew. No two moments are the same. Even if it feels like the content of experience is the same, you can see that the last moment is gone. And this moment is being known now. And you start to see that Experience is just happening on its own. It's a natural process. There's nobody there directing it. There's nobody there in control of this process. And that all of our experience is created by the mind. Again, it's a reflection of what's out there, but it's not what's, it's not what's out there. The perceptions of, of what is seen, what is felt, what is heard. Again, these are, these are created in the mind and they're subject to the distortions of our conditioning. It's not, it's not a, a clear objective view into reality. It's, it's a construction. It's a model. It's an approximation. And so we can, Use that, but no, but not be confused about what it is. So when you feel like your boss gives you a concerning look or your partner or friend gives you a concerning look, the mind can go into just believing an idea about what's happening and proliferating and worry and that's the world that's the world that's arising for you in that moment when it's believed it's like oh no i'm in trouble or oh no like someone's upset with me 
So we don't have to throw it all away, but if we recognize that, oh, this is actually just something being constructed in the mind, there can be some room around it to check out, oh, is this actually true? Is this actually useful? And then we can make a much more skillful, informed decision when we're not just glomming on to everything that arises in our minds as absolute reality, as the ultimate truth. Can hold it much more lightly. We start to see that that because of the the the, the constantly changing and permanent nature of experience, and the fact that it is a natural process, it's it's not something that we ultimately control. It's ungovernable. That experience uh, is not capable that can this this realm of conditioned experience is not capable of being a source of lasting happiness and satisfaction and this is this is good news this, if this this isn't um some, this can sound like um nihilistic or something but this is actually good news because it's it's our constant leaning leaning out and trying to find a stable place in the shifting sands of the world that is what causes so much of our stress because it's always going to shift it's always going to change everything that arises inevitably passes this is a universal truth and if we're clinging to and depending on something not going away, not changing, staying stable in some way, then of course we can see how this is just a clear setup for suffering. Because everything is, is shifting, is moving, is arising and passing. And that process is not something that we can control. One of the the teachings of the, the Buddha, he encouraged practitioners to frequently reflect on these five things, that we are of the nature to age, that we cannot control or go beyond aging. We're of the nature to get sick. We cannot control or go beyond sickness. We're of the nature to die. We cannot control or go beyond dying. And that all that is dear and pleasing to us will become otherwise, will become separated from us. And that we are the heir of our, the heir of our intentions, the heir of our actions. That this is what will determine our future happiness and well-being. Are we acting out of greed, aversion, and delusion? that tends to create future stress and suffering. And if we're acting out of renunciation or contentment, kindness, compassion, this will sow future happiness, future well-being. And now, now and in the future, And so we can we can remind ourselves in our practice that 
the mind is just doing its thing. The mind is just following its natural conditioning. We're not, we don't need to try to control what arises in our experience. We just want to recognize it to get to know, oh, this process of mind and body, to become intimate with it, to see how it actually works, what's actually happening here. The mind has been conditioned to cling. And we're just seeing the natural unfolding of that conditioning in our practice, in our moment-to-moment experience. So there's no need to try to stop our mind from struggling, just to try to stop our mind from clinging. But rather we can simply know that as an experience. We can include the mind's tendency to identify with it. That's also just something that we can recognize. Trying to control experience. Oh, this is the mind trying to control Again, we're not trying to create only good experiences. We want to actually learn to recognize and understand all experiences. Can know anything as simply a natural, a natural arising, just an object of our practice. Again, even feeling like something is a problem even when the mind is like really contracted around something like this is not okay. This is a problem. That's something that, that can be known that, that we can recognize. I remember a time when my, my, uh, my back went out and um, it was pretty, pretty debilitating and I couldn't sit or stand. And it was just, laid out, laid out on the floor, not even, you know, most positions on laying down were really painful. It's just, uh, there were, there couldn't do anything. It was just there in pain. And I could see the mind hating it. Oh, I don't like this. This is a problem. And in that there was a recognition of just exactly what was happening. Oh, this is, there's, there's pain in the body. There's wanting to be able to, you know, sit up and move around. And um, there's aversion to the pain and the, the the limitation of what I can do. And in the in the recognition of that, there was no identification with the aversion, with the pain. There was actually a sense of ease, a sense of peace, a sense of okayness, the simplicity of, oh, this is just happening. And the, the overlay of this is a problem that was just seen as, oh, that's, that's just, just a, the natural activity of the mind. It was no different than, than, than hearing, you know, hearing the sound of the birds outside. It was just, oh, there's just something happening. It's the fixation, the identification that causes the stress and suffering. And so even those, those patterns that feel um, like they're, they're unwholesome, they're like the things we're supposed to be getting rid of, aversion, greed, delusion, when we know it as it is, it's transformed. It's the identification with it that feeds that pattern. But when we recognize it as it is, it's transformed 
There's still the appearance of it, but there's nothing solid there. So one one, uh, teacher gives the image of a rope, a rope made out of uh, grass that is braided together in in a really um, tight way that makes a really strong rope. Um, When this kind of grass is burned, it uh, it doesn't completely uh, float away into ash or it the rope keeps its shape. You can see it looks like you can see the braids. It still looks like a rope, but if you were to touch it or pick it up, it just dissolves. There's nothing there. It's just an appearance. The same thing happens when we recognize and understand what's happening in our experience. Something that felt so solid, so real, um, uh, so much of a problem or so serious when it's known as, oh, this is, this is just mental activity or this is just a thought. This is just a belief or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be those words that go with it. There's still the appearance of it, but there's no power there. There's there's nothing, it's it's seen to be completely empty. It's just, oh, it's just a thought. Because ultimately, really, it is like, what is actually there in our views, our ideas, our mental patterns? When we get curious about, well, what's actually there? There's nothing to find. It's so insubstantial. Again, we can, we can use... We need to use our minds skillfully, but, but not be confused about, about what's, what's there, about what it actually is. And so it, it is actually a moment of cultivating wisdom, cultivating understanding to recognize aversion as aversion, to recognize hatred as hatred or wanting as wanting. It's when it's not seen, just when it's being identified with unconsciously, that's when it, it reinforces the pattern. But when it's seen, oh, this is greed, this is aversion, that's actually cultivating understanding. It's actually untangling that tangle of, of craving. In one, one, uh, well known, uh, sutta, one discourse of the Buddha, somebody um, came to the Buddha and said, who, who can, you know, uh, the world is a tangle of views, a tangle of craving. Ask the Buddha, who can untangle this tangle? And the Buddha said that one with mindfulness and discernment can untangle the tangle. So just through learning to see what's naturally happening. Just, it's so simple. Everything is included. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter if it feels like you're not doing it right or you're hating it. If you recognize it, then you're actually cultivating understanding. You're cultivating awareness. You're practicing. Again, if it feels, like I said in the meditation, if it feels like you're not not aware, feels like you're um, 
you're lost, but you, you know that, you recognize that, you're actually aware of that. It just doesn't, it just doesn't conform to our, our ideas about what practice should feel like. We're broadening the, the container, the range of experiences that we can be with and recognize and learn to, to have them be completely okay. So when, when irritation is arising, when striving or tension is arising, we, we just recognize that. We just know that. Again, we're, we're, the knowing of that is using it as fuel for the growing of our understanding. And this is, it's so simple. As I said before, it's so simple that the doing mind the mind that is always feeling like it needs to try to be in control, to direct, to manage. It's so simple. It's, it's actually not something that that part of our minds can do. But when, when there is, sometimes, sometimes that part of the mind quiets down and just gets out of the way. And there's this natural effortless knowing, but also most of the time, that that is still going to be active, but we can just recognize that too. One of the most frequent things that, that uh, arises in practice that we can know, especially in a formal sitting, is the mind trying to practice. We can, we can include that. We can know, oh, the mind, how is the mind trying to practice? We can see it practicing skillfully sometimes, see it struggling this is all in the realm of what is to be included. What we can just be curious about and learn to recognize. In the, another famous uh, sutta, uh, the, the Bahia Sutta, um, this uh, practitioner Bahia, he wasn't a, um, he wasn't, a disciple of the Buddha. He was practicing on his own. He didn't really have a teacher, but he heard about the Buddha and he he had a sense of, okay, I, I want to get some direction here. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to learn the teachings from the Buddha. He he sought him out and he asked him, please teach me the, please give me the teachings in brief. Um and uh the Buddha responded by simply saying, Train yourself thus. In the seen, let there be only the seen. In the in the felt, let there be only the felt. In the cognized, let there be only the cognized. For when when for you there is in the seen there is only the seen. When for you there is only the cognized in the cognized. When for you in, in the felt, there is only the felt, then there will be no you there. And when there is no you there, there is no stress and suffering. This natural process that the mind overlays a sense of self and identification with, when we get curious about what's actually happening here, we start to untangle 
start to loosen the grip of that identification and cultivate this deep inner wellspring of satisfaction, of ease, of of love and peace that comes through understanding experience, through not, not clinging to experience, rather than what our normal conditioning has us thinking that we need to do, which is get all the things that we want and get and avoid all the things that we don't want, which actually just keeps us on this stressful hamster wheel of constantly struggling. Not that we aren't good stewards of our lives, but that we're not clinging to things needing to be a certain way. We, we act with a intention of kindness, of, of compassion for ourselves and for others. And we can be at ease with however it is. This is what, what is cultivated in this practice. I want to just read a, a poem and then open it up for a discussion. This is a, a poem by Lama Gendon Rinpoche that I'm sure many of you are, are familiar with. Um, but I, I like to take this as practice instructions. Um, so I in, invite you to see how this might apply to your own practice. This is called Free and Easy. Happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. Don't strain yourself. There's nothing to do or undo. Whatever momentarily arises in the body-mind has no real importance at all. It has little reality whatsoever. Why identify with and become attached to it, passing judgment upon it and ourselves? Far better to simply let the entire game happen on its own springing up and falling back like waves without changing or manipulating anything. And notice how everything vanishes and reappears magically again and again, time without end. Only our searching for happiness prevents us from seeing it. It's like a vivid rainbow which you pursue without ever catching or a dog chasing its own tail. Although peace and happiness do not exist as an actual thing or place, it is always available and accompanies you every instant. Don't believe in the reality of good and bad experiences. They are like today's ephemeral weather, like rainbows in the sky. Wanting to grasp the ungraspable you exhaust yourself in vain. As soon as you open and relax this tight fist of grasping, infinite space is there, open, inviting, and comfortable. Make use of this spaciousness, this freedom and natural ease. 
Don't search any further looking for the great awakened elephant who is already resting quietly at home in front of your own hearth. Nothing to do or undo, nothing to force, nothing to want, and nothing missing. How amazing everything happens by itself. Thank you all for your practice and uh, kind attention. And uh, we have um, a little bit of time for comments, questions.